Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Episode 56. And Carrie is not sick. Yes, she is. Never mind. (laughs) (laughs) You can hear it in her voice. This is the, um... This is a sickness that never ends. It goes on and on, my friend. That was really (laughs) off-key. Aside from the illness, what's been going on? Life. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I don't either. You know what's going on? Patreoners. Mm -hmm. We got a couple, y'all. Uh-huh. I don't know why I said it like that. <laughs> Y'all come back now, here. Mm-hmm. All right, we got Wendy J. from California. Melanie P. from Idaho. D- Idaho. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> D-W. <laughs> D-W. I actually feel like that's somebody. It, wasn't that on Dallas? D-W? I don't know. You're, are you thinking of like W? No. Um, WD-40? It's like who shot? That's J-R. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, DW sounds like a thing. Anyway. DW I mean, is the, like the redneck of Dynasty. Yeah, yeah, that's the da- what, Dallas. Yeah, whatever. That's the Fort Worth version. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Love you all, Fort Worth. I have no idea. I think I've no. I've never even been to Fort Worth. Oh god. <laughs> okay. Anyway, D as in D E A. W. The agent. <laughs> <laughs> no, the girl. Um, <laughs> the one in North Carolina. Okay. So DW from North Carolina. Okay. DW. DW. DW from NC. <laughs> DW NC. DW NC. Oh, I know what it is. Democratic National Convention. <laughs> <laughs> the D. And the, the, not, I know, not the W, but like, I was like, why? Well, then I went DNC, but I was like, wait, now that's a, that's yeah, a that's procedure. A <laughs> All right, y'all. I okay, mean, keep moving along. Here's okay. what we do with your names. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. All right. All right. Brianna Y. from Pennsylvania. Sandra O., not the actress. <laughs> but I love her. From Quebec. Ooh. And Regina T. from California. We California. Fornication. I thought you were going to go... California knows no doubt how to about it. Oh, oh. Just how to party. <laughs> I thought it was no doubt about it. <laughs> it probably is. If I am right, I'm looking look it up. up. I think it is. You, if that sounds right. <laughs> okay. Okay. Some people think it is California. Don't start a party. Yeah. Oh, the original lyrics. California knows how to party. <laughs> oh <my> <laughs> <laughs> California knows how to party. <laughs> yeah. Cal- P-O-T-T-Y. They thought it said, California knows knows that I farted. <laughs> Beer farting. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Whoop, 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 whoop. That's Tupac's version. Tupac's featuring Dre is... Oh, never mind. <laughs> Misheard lyrics. Okay. I was like, wait, wait, no, that's right. California, no doubt about it. Oh. Okay. No. Y'all, this is like three tallies for Donna. Okay, this is this is legit what I thought the words were. <laughs> And it's a misheard Listen, lyrics. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> California. <laughs> no doubt about it. In the city. City uh, of LA. Okay. The city. Oh, it's Compton. No, no, no. It's hang on. Okay, sorry. Uh better late. <laughs> that's what you That's what In you, the city. Good old runs. <laughs> Okay, I didn't know that last part, but oh, but like I, I feel like that's what I said, <laughs> y'all. I don't know how much Will's gonna cut out of this, but I was fucking right. You were. <laughs> you said 
Oh, 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 misheard the lyrics. And then again, you're like, no, no, no. Uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if that's, <laughs> there's a replay of what just happened. Thanks, thanks for sharing. <laughs> I cannot believe, I I was like, for once, I am right about some fucking lyrics. <laughs> I was so stoked. Look, it's your birthday tomorrow, but you ain't right. I, I can cry if I want to. <laughs> Patreoners, we love you. Y'all are great. We couldn't do it without you. We are serious when we say that. So, thank you. Will thanks you. <laughs> yeah. So, there you go. Love y'all. And those who are not Patreoners, if y'all want bonus content, head on over to patreon.com forward slash the APC podcast. We do three extra episodes. Mm-hmm. All right. So, in the Facebook group, Hellfire, she shared something about... Dessert spelled backwards is <gasps> yes uh, is stressed. Yeah, desserts spelled backwards. No, is, stressed spelled backwards is desserts, which is why you want them. Okay, all right. And you said, "Oh my god, mind blown that you didn't mm-hmm. know that." All right, this is how you know you've been a big mama all your fucking life, because how I know how to spell desserts is because there's two s because you always want more dessert. Yes, I, that's how I remember how to spell it too. Okay. Well, okay, point in case we're both extra large pizzas, y'all. <laughs> I mean, look. <laughs> like you just reinforced my theory here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and all you personal pans out there, you're like, "Oh, mm-hmm. I've been spelling desert personal this whole time." Pans. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we we skipped small and went straight for fucking personal pants. I mean. So, I was listening to a podcast the other day. Uh Uh-huh. And guess what I heard? What? Our promo. (laughs) Woo-woo! It was on Hillbilly Heart. Okay, so W's and R's are yours. (laughs) H's clearly are mine. Hillbilly Horror Stories. Mm -hmm. Horror is a really hard word. (laughs) Say it. Horror? Oh. Why do I say horror? (laughs) Who says horror? Me. That's why it's so hard. It doesn't have an A. Horror. (laughs) You're a pirate. Horror. (laughs) That horror show over there. (laughs) I can't. Sounds like I'm saying, okay, horror. That's still really hard. That's harder than rural. What? It's not. Okay. Hillbilly. She just wanted to show out. No, no, no. Okay. Hillbilly horror stories. Yes. Horror stories. HHS. Hill- <laughs> <laughs> okay, moving along. Anyway, so thank you so much, Jerry and Tracy, for playing our promo and shouting us out. And if you are listening to this episode because you heard us on there, I don't know, question mark, why I go so high? <laughs> and I'm in this way high octave. Anyway. Okay, you heard Adam us- Levine. Okay. <clears throat> Great. Now my throat hurts again. <laughs> If you heard us over there, <laughs> you, heard you heard us. If you heard us on the this horror. This is a 10-minute monologue that should have been two and a half. And Hillbilly Horror Stories, thanks. They're like, and why did we play that promo? <laughs> <laughs> They're like, um, is this our first time? <laughs> and yeah. Yeah, it is. Is this the first episode? Because, <laughs> I mean, even though the sound quality is a little bit better, I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't think they have that high of a voice. <laughs> no, this is the first episode. <laughs> you, you speak well. <laughs> what? <laughs> also, if you haven't heard of them, 
which I'm sure you have. Mm-hmm. But if you haven't, they are awesome. They're a married couple, super respectful and super funny. And they go to Waverly Hills all the fucking time. And mm-hmm. you know I want to go there so bad. Like, oh my gosh. And if you want to go, like, if you want to check them out, we say go for it. And please let them know that you came from a Paranormal Chicks. That's us. That's us. Yeah. Beat ya. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs> and end. Okay. Yes. But okay. seriously, like, we want them to know, like, if if y'all go over there, be like, hey, mm-hmm. the chick sent me. Mm-hmm. Of the Paranormal variety. <laughs> There's two of them. Mm-hmm. It's a pun of a pair of normal chicks. Oh. <laughs> She's not joking. She just got it. I did not. <laughs> I mean, I did have to explain it to her. When, uh-uh. No, nah, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But it's okay if y'all didn't know. Yeah. Because you really do have to, because you said it out loud to me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, I like it. You know, it's, it's different when you hear it out loud. Yeah. Okay. Moving along. You go first. All right, y'all. Picture it. 1880, a bustling, growing town called Melvern, Iowa. So, are you picturing it? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well. Is it rural? It Well, it was, but now it's bustling. It's, oh. It's growing. Because. You said that. Sorry. Mm-hmm, you weren't picturing it. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't have the right. No. So, it's growing because there is a train stop. I almost said that. Yep. I almost said, is it bustling because. Well, I was, gonna say, I was gonna say there's a bus. Yeah. But, like a stop, like a thing, like mm-hmm. a train stop. Oh. And traveling by train was the shit. So this was like we in the big time now, y'all. Well, the cottage hotel was the town's first hotel, and it was like the fourth building to ever be because again, it was nothing, and then that train put a stop there, mm-hmm. and so everyone rushed to do, you know, have yeah. to build stuff, all that, which, if you watch Hell on Wheels on Netflix, you know all about this. All right, so it was built by Captain Colors, like... Of the C- wind? <laughs> no, Pocahontas. C-U-L-L-E-R-S. He set up this hotel for his... Like, sailing buddies and everyone traveling in that way, too. But also, because of the train. It was 10,000 square feet. And, like, salesmen who would travel to and fro, you know, they needed somewhere to lay their fucking head. Mm Mm-hmm. Or get some head. Might have been that kind of hotel. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Well, for $2 a night, you got a warm bed, hot meals, and... It was book solid every night because it was so close mm-hmm. to the train. Because, I mean, there's four buildings. Doctors would travel in and see patients a couple of days mm-hmm. there. And also some, like, entertainers would go. Psychics would come sometimes and do, like, okay, meet me here mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. But it wasn't, like, a huge thing. It was more for business people yeah. and that. But business people wanted entertainment. You know, and hey, let's keep them in the fucking hotel. Mm-hmm. And, you know, instead of getting $2, I got 10 One-stop shop. Exactly. Well, unfortunately, automobiles, because I can't say cars, because it's automobiles. It's 1880. Mm-hmm. They're getting cheaper. More people can afford them. So they don't need trains anymore. 
And so it... It's not bustling anymore? No, it bustled. It bustled and... Fizzled? Mm-hmm. So it was forced to close its door. Just it, the one door? Just, <laughs> just, just had the one. It wasn't handicap accessible. <laughs> <laughs> or Big Mama accessible. Fat Man Squeeze coming through. Thick thin. So soon after, it was turned into a convalescent home or nursing home. Well, they better get fucking bigger doors then. Mm-hmm. And that was in the 1950s. So it was a hotel for a while. Mm-hmm. But it changed hands, like changed ownership. Yeah. Well, the nursing home, they added a building onto it. So now that is known as the nursing home wing. Then in 1957, the state of Iowa comes in and is like, look, your hallways aren't really up to code. They're too narrow. narrow." Uh -uh. Mm Because they just had the one door. (laughs) I don't know about that, but I mean, they aren't handicap accessible. Mm -hmm. Because it's built in 1800. Yeah. And so, like, a few other shit. Because, again, it wasn't made to be right. that. So, they forced them to shut down. Oh, well, shit. Geraldine, a lady who was working at the nursing home, she loved the property, really loved taking care of people. So, she turned it into, they called it a minimum care facility, but it's a group home. Okay. So, she put her home, which was a trailer, basically, right next to it so she could always be available Just, you know, living her best life Mm -hmm. at this. Well, she was 87 years old. Damn. By the, you know, Mm -hmm. at a certain time. She didn't start this at 87. But they basically, the state of Iowa came in again and forced her to retire. Because, well, she can't take care of any, like, she can't do what, you know, she can't be a manager if she can't, like, she needs a manager for her. So, it went to another guy, a gentleman, if you will, who was not a gentleman, turns out. Uh Mm Uh-oh. Turns out he was a fuckwad, very terrible, abusive, verbally and physically, sometimes. Not all the time, but that's how abusers are. Um, There is a, if you believe in heaven and hell, there is a fucking special place in hell for people who abuse the... Most vulnerable populations. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Such as children, the elderly, and the sick. Mm -hmm. Totally fucking agree. And it housed people who were basically in rehab, like alcoholics who were seeking treatment, all the way to people dealing with schizophrenia, DID, Mm -hmm. which is disassociate... Disassociative Identity Disorder. Uh Uh-huh. That. mm -hmm. Which used to be called multiple personalities. Mm -hmm. Since the variety of conditions were, you know. Varied. Varied. (laughs) (laughs) How do you, like, the people who are properly going to care for the treatment, like the alcoholic. Like, with substance abuse. Yeah, substance abuse. They're not going to be the people who are... Best suited for... Somebody with, like, Alzheimer's. Right. And so, but, I mean, they're not staffing like they do now where they Mm -hmm. have, you know, that whole Mm -hmm. spectrum of people. But this guy, he's not, he's not up to code himself. Well, he's not up and up. Right. So, we all know. I'm not going to go into it, but there was abuse all around, you know. Fuck him. And... Not only was he an asshole in that way, 
But he scammed money from them. I knew that's where you were going. Mm -hmm. And so in 2005, the place closed down because he was caught and now is in jail. 2005? Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, okay, so this, what I'm about to tell you, is definitely, I've only seen it some, like in one article. Okay. So. Hmm. It's got to be true. <laughs> <laughs> it is rumored that the Velisca axe murderer mm-hmm. may have stayed there the night before he murdered the whole fucking family. What? Um, But because they don't know who the murderer actually was, it's like, okay, one person that could be the murderer is rumored to have stayed here. Right. But if it's, like, super close, and this was the hotel, mm-hmm. it stands to reason if it was some sort of, quote-unquote, drifter of yeah. the time that they would have stayed there before doing the murders and then moving on. Exactly. So, it's just, it's funny that it's... It's all tied in together. Mm-hmm. It's a small world after all, peeps. It is all a conspiracy. All right. So... Sounds of footsteps can be heard. So wait, so why is it haunted? Why can footsteps be heard? Well, it's haunted because it was a group home where abuse was and stuff too. Just like those asylums. But also before when it was a bustling Mm -hmm. hotel, because there were so many like travelers and stuff. I mean, Mm -hmm. people going to target people Mm -hmm. who, oh, okay, they're. Well, they took a train. They got money. True. They're staying at a hotel for $2 a night. True. You know, so. I mean, because if you think about, like, I know that this isn't the same, but the same. (laughs) If you think about, like, the Jack the Ripper stuff, though. Mm -hmm. I mean, they were on, obviously, it's a different country, blah, 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 blah. And they were literally sleeping on ropes. But it was, like, how much? Like, a nickel or something, Uh you know? And this is $2 a night. Right. That's some... She shit. She she. So, just with the history, there's a haunting. All right. So, sounds of footsteps in the empty house, voices that belong to no one. They've been heard and recorded. Can I believe that motherfucker had it for so long? Because mm-hmm. he, they made what's her name retire in what year? Do we know? No, we don't know. I, okay, I don't know. But she was eighty-seven. So, okay, let's just call it nineteen eighty. Yeah. Because if it was in the 50s when it was turned into that thing Mm -hmm. and she worked there, let's just call it 80s. So that motherfucker owned that shit until 2005 when he was finally motherfucking busted Mm -hmm. for abuse like that. That's some fucking bullshit. Yeah. You, you, ooh, that, mm mm-mm. You got that affluenza. Uh, That pisses me off. All right. So fast forward to this guy named Josh Hurd. So he's filming a paranormal documentary, and he's at this place called Classic Cafe in Melbourne. So he meets Quincy Hunt, and he is the then owner of Melbourne Manor. So he's like, oh, you like the paranormal? You like this kind of stuff? Let me tell you about this house. Goes on, you know, telling him. And so Josh is like, where the fuck this house at? Mm -hmm. He's like, oh, yeah, it's right across the street. And so... He's like, you want to go check it out? And they're like, uh, the fuck yes. Yeah. So the first, like, five minutes of this documentary is them, like, discovering this house. And so he calls it a happy little accident because he wasn't there for that house. Mm-hmm. I never heard of it. 
Then he meets the fucking owner. Yeah. I'm going to recap everything I just said. Um, small town cafe. <laughs> what you doing in town there? Exactly. So he said that he experienced more in two hours there than he had in a whole year and a half of investigating. Shit. Mm-hmm. So he said, after those two hours, I was hooked. So Quincy, he wants to make money on this. He doesn't know what to do because it's really just like vacant right now. He just owns the building. So Josh is like, are you fucking kidding me? You can make money. Mm-hmm. Do do what you just did for me, but charge people, but not mm-hmm. me. Yeah. You know? So he's like, all right, I'm going to open it up to the public. And so, you know, he's living his best life. But in 2015, Quincy was like, look, I got to move. I got another job. Like, so I need to sell it. Whatever. So Josh is like, fuck. Like, I want this house. Because, again, that happy little accident. Like, mm-hmm. this house. Spoke to him. Yeah. Literally. So he's like, how do I buy this house? Well, enter Kurt Frick. So he owns this insurance company in Omaha. And... I don't know how he does it, but he works with his wife, Carol. They Mm-mm. are just selling insurance. Like fucking hillbilly horror story doing there. Uh-huh. Husband-wife team. I mean, oh, I guess we're basically old married couple and we work, but but we get to leave at the end of the night. I was going to say, say, go your ass home. <laughs> get the fuck up out my house. Mm-hmm. She goes, I'm fading. Go. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go to bed. You can stay or you can go. <laughs> okay, I'm going. I'm taking my cheesecake with me. <laughs> All right, so Kurt, he heard, uh, he heard, Josh heard, <laughs> damn, anyway, he heard Josh talking about Melvern Manor on the radio, he's like, fuck, that sounds awesome, so he's like, all right, gather up family, and we going to tour this house, like, I want to do it, so they did, and he said he experienced moans, screams, and the eerie feeling of getting watched. He said he had always watched it on TV and was like, oh, it's TV, it's fake, Mm. you know, but it's fun to watch. But after spending this one little tour, he's like, no, this shit's real. Like, it's real, real. Mm -hmm. So then he goes back for a second time because it's real, but let's go back and see if we still have activity and if it's not the same activity. Right. You know? I mean, he didn't say that, but... That's what he's thinking. I mean, it's not like, what was that video you showed me where they walk in a room and, like, the guy, like, hits a note on the piano and it doesn't make a sound? Um, It wasn't a video. It was a story and you debunked it. Oh. I mean, we don't know for sure. You just, like, it painted such a good picture that Uh I pictured it Uh and I played it like a movie in my head. (laughs) Apparently. What was that video you did? No, that was an episode. Um, That's how good I pictured it. (laughs) Good job on your story. Yeah. (laughs) It's probably because her eyes were closed. And, she- <laughs> oh, and you boy. think I don't listen to you. <laughs> All right. So the second time he gets there, Josh tells him, look, dude, this property is being sold. The tours are going to end. So Kurt was like, hey, how much is this building? Mm-hmm. I have no experience owning a fucking haunted house or, you know, doing any kind of shit like this. He's in, he's in insurance, you know? Yeah. But he was like, I know this shit is legit, and people need to be able to experience it. Yeah. 
well. Josh, Kurt, his wife, Carol, their son, Josh, niece, Jenna, and Allison Carranza, they all pulled their money together and they purchased the building for $75,000 in May 2016. So they offer walkthroughs year-round and it consists of a 30-minute guided tour of the building. They discuss the history and the paranormal activity and then visitors are allowed to roam the building and hopefully experience something for themselves and they have like books that you can transcribe your document that's the word to document your experience and Josh said it's the spirits there are a lot of like cat and mouse games where you'll hear footsteps go after it and then you hear something in the opposite direction and you're like fuck okay go that way and then it's you know another you can't really ever can't catch it you can't catch it unless it wants to be caught just like every fucking man (laughs) he said there's also physical object manipulation so they have some wheelchairs that will move on their own and some like well again as always you bring a ball and yeah they'll play with it roll it back and forth that's interesting though that they would like play with the ball though because it was adults on the treatment side of addiction yeah no because even i mean in the place lasted until 2005 like there there are regulations even in the dumbest of the dumb in the 50s they there were regulations about putting adults and kids together well later you'll hear about one person who had like an intellectual oh whose personality mm -hmm. was touche yeah move along okay when they first bought the home, they had some of the former staff walk through them and tell them stories and stuff that they could. They couldn't, mm-hmm. obviously, like, this was so-and-so, so-and-so, he blah, 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 and, you know, all of this fucking yeah. shit, but, you know, whatever. Well, one story was about the man who owned it, and it was that he was fighting this one patient, like, kicking, hitting him from his office downstairs all the way upstairs. Damn. And there were, like, you could see, like, marks on the wall and stuff. Oh, my God. And it looked kind of like some stains. And so, Josh is like, one, why the fuck was it that covered up? Like, why mm-hmm. was why is it still here? Yeah. And two, like, we got to figure this out. Like, what is this? So, he hired a private investigator to come and, like, take samples and do all mm-hmm. that. And it turned out to be human blood. Oh, shit. All from the same person. So, like, that story kind of checks out of yeah him beating him up all the way to this, you know, whatever. God, what a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. Also, Josh said, like, he did not want to do anything fake about this. He didn't want to say anything that couldn't be found. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's why... He also hired that private investigator to go through and try to learn as much about the former patients and stuff. You know, like just trying to understand instead of sensationalizing false stuff to say most haunted place ever and it's got a fake piano. All right. So speaking of the person with the DID, Mm -hmm. her name is Grace and she is... Probably the most famous ghost in the Melvern Manor. She spent basically all her life in this building. Bless it. So she was one of the more 
severe cases because she had schizophrenia and DID. Oh, shit. Mm -hmm. And during the evenings, the staff would say that they often heard a male's deep voice echoing from her room. And it would be chanting, the devil's coming to get me. Oh, God. Over and over. And they said it was like a gruff, low tone. And when they would enter the room, it was just her. And the man was just one of her personalities. I wonder if each of the personalities has schizophrenia. Oh, shit. I don't know. <laughs> that um, was like a, a little okay. bit of like a... Mm-hmm. Like moment for you, I'm like fear like part. I don't know. <laughs> like, I, like your I saw your wheels go skirt, uh huh, and then faster. <laughs> trying to figure that out, and I don't know. To this day, Grace's room is the most active in the entire building, mm-hmm. and there's a wheelchair and a bed with the mattress leaning against the wall, and that's from the home. Like they have left everything. Like it is because they say those are trigger objects because that's something that she's actually sat in, slept in, you know, all of that. So, good on, like, you know, I mean, I get it. Yeah. And it adds to the creepiness because. It's like a wheelchair from 1950. Well. Or like whatever, a mattress or, you know. Yeah. And they, so people who actually go and investigate, they think that Grace's multiple personalities actually still exist I was wondering that. Isn't that so bizarre? Yeah. But interesting? Yes. Well, and then I just think, because it's truly who she is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, like, it's it's cool to think of that. Yeah. One of the reasons is because they have EVPs where there's a gruff-sounding man, and he will say, devil man. Really? Mm-hmm. And just like the gruff voice when yeah. it's like the devil's coming to get me. And then they always feel like they are being watched. Like it's that overwhelming feeling of just, and you're in my personal space, whatever. So it's like she's just so active in there. She seems to like guys more. And if a guy will sit on the bed or in the wheelchair, they will feel her grab them. <gasps> Mm-hmm. Sometimes trying to grab those uh those private parts. I put so she's all about carbs and cock too. Get it, girl. Get it. You know, Kurt. He played a recording that he took in Grace's room, and it has like some background noises, and then you can hear a woman's voice say hello. Damn. It's just like ugh, I don't know. So, another active area inside the manor is a room that once belonged to a woman who was admitted to the convalescent home in her mid-30s. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. And it was by her husband. She had become very obsessed with the idea that he no longer thought she was beautiful or, you know, attractive. Same difference. And she that thought began to just consume her. Mm -hmm. And so... Obviously, he's worried about his wife, and so he had her committed for her to receive treatment. But unfortunately, nothing helped. The staff would find her standing in front of the mirror in her room, slowly pulling her hair out, like, chunk by chunk. Yeah. And she was medicated, but her mental health just continued to, you you know. Deteriorate? Mm Mm-hmm. So it's fucking ours, dude. That's a hard one, though. It's like eight syllables. 
Yeah, and there's like R I O R. Mm-hmm. That I mean, you basically said Rory, Roar, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> the lion roared. That's a good way to remember it. <laughs> and she died shortly after. Oh God. Mm-hmm. Well, visitors often report seeing her still standing in front of that mirror and still pulling her hair out. Oh, God. Very angry expression on her face. They also smell B.O. in that room. Oh. And they hear moaning a lot. And at one point, there were about 45 people, I'll say 30 to 45 people, on this tour. And I believe Josh at the time was like, okay, to communicate with her, he asked for her to open the door on on command, basically, and she did. Oh and then God. she would close it on command, too, in front of all those people. And it wasn't rigged. Uh, well, who knows? Then another spirit is Inez Gibson. And up until recently, we really didn't know a lot about her. We just knew that it was a little girl in this room. And they didn't have a name or an age range. And the only reason they knew it was a little girl's room was from previous employees and the stories that had been just passed on. On occasion, you can pick up a little girl laughing and it sounds like someone playing up and down the hall. Mm -hmm. In some spirit box sessions, they heard a little girl's voice, but just small snippets, not a long, Mm -hmm. not even a word, really. Now, it's thought to be this girl, Inez Gibson, and she was born August 6, 1888. Oh, my God. hmm She did not have the perfect life. Her parents were divorced, and when she was young, neither wanted responsibility of taking care of Inez and her younger brother, Otto. Bless it. So, her aunt and uncle adopted them, and T.D. Gibson was her adopted parent and... Was the uncle, sorry, that I just mentioned. And he was the prominent grocer in Melbourne. And at one point, an owner of the manor. One day, Inez's mother wrote to the family and she was like, BTW, I'm on my way. I'm going to pick up my daughter. Oh, no. Yeah. So this made Inez very depressed. And she was like, I would rather die than go live with my mom who hasn't wanted me mm-hmm. and who knows the rift between her aunt, you know, who is now her mom, but like her yeah. biological mom playing two sides or yeah. whatever, you know, who knows? So one day her little brother Otto found Inez hanging in her closet by her jump rope. No. Mm-hmm. She had died by suicide December 21st, 1990. She was only 12 years old. Kurt Frick, the other owner of Josh, the sometimes uh, tour guide, (laughs) (laughs) he said that his daughter asked the ghost how old she was, and she answered 12. Oh, my God. God, that breaks my heart. Like, if she'd have just waited, like, a week or whatever till her mom got there to just see and be like, I'm not going with you. Yeah. Oh, that breaks my heart. Another ghost is Susie, and the former nursing staff told Josh and Kurt about about her, and she was a lady who was middle-aged, but mentally 10 years of age. Mm-hmm. They found coloring books and activity books in her room, 
so they left everything there. And so he tells people, like, if you want to communicate with her, like, write in the activity book, color on a page. Yeah. Things like that. Well, she loves to interact with people. She will flip pages in the book. So he is like, that is so fucking cool to see this book open and, you know, a page just flips. Shit. Like, that is TV moments right there. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I'm sure there's a way to make that happen. Like, you know, but yeah. that's really hard, I would imagine, to fake. You yeah. Know? Or you have to have a lot of money. Yeah. And I feel like the odds of recouping that money, right. unless you're fucking like Disney World. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. They say that she seems very chained to that room and they've talked to her through EVPs and whatnot. And so they think someone or something is keeping her in there. Like she's scared to leave that room. Hmm. I wonder who. She might just be conditioned from that fucking abusive owner that's in jail. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 (laughs) All right. There's another one called Hank or Henry. He said that he'll answer to either or on certain days. But I know Henry that used to be called Hank. Hmm. Hank is a very old, grumpy man. He would sit out in the front on the porch and throw rocks at people when he was alive. Okay. Mm-hmm. Very rude. He was one of those, stay off my lawn. His spirit does not like females. Bastard. Mm-hmm. He's a fucking incel. <laughs> right. They found clothes in his room that were his, and so if you mess with them... He gets super upset, especially if it's a female. So Josh is like, if you want to get him, because you know people love mm-hmm. to go to fucking mm-hmm. ghost, especially if it's a female, hey, put on his shirt. Hey, mm-hmm. do this. And he does not like it. But he said, even if you fold his clothes and put them in the drawer, he still doesn't like it. It's like, he likes his fucking mess and leave mm-hmm. it alone. Then there's one that doesn't have a name because it's... Basically an inhuman manifestation. And it's often seen and felt. And it was just really overbearing. Maybe that's what's keeping the kid in. It it could be. And they think it really comes from just all of the abuse and stuff. Mm-hmm. Almost like a poltergeist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Look, I'm learning things on this podcast. Yeah, you are. Meanwhile, everyone's like, no, that's I know. not. I'm like, well, and it feeds like, off yeah, energy. Totes. Totes, it's a poats. Totes, my goats. <laughs> so, most of the energy and that overbearing feeling, it is felt in the rooms below the attic. And the rooms belong to two patients. One spent years physically and sexually abusing another resident oh, God. before the staff discovered. And so, it just centers over that area. Oh, God. The darkest activity just the energy is terrible then there's a room that they just refer to as room two very very creative here and it's in the nursing room wing okay so there's this black humanoid figure that will appear in this room and it will turn and run directly at you oh my god full speed ahead Iceberg, right ahead. Uh-huh. I was going to say, much like the girl last week, that that's how her, mm-hmm. like, that's how she got possessed was because yeah. it would run into her. Yep. Since it will charge you, people that have went into that house 
if it does that, if they see that humanoid figure, they will fucking turn around and be like, catch you on the flip side. I'm out. All right. So after their episode aired on Paranormal Lockdown, which I'll get to in a minute, a former worker called in and was like, dude, that room right there, room two, there was this guy who was 6'7". These are quotes. There was a guy who was 6'7", had severe mental health issues. He had actually killed people in the past. Damn. He was nonverbal. Oh, God. I know. And they couldn't really assist him because he would start to attack them. Bless it. I wonder what the circumstances were, though, of those murders. Yeah. Who who knows? Like, was it really, like, he didn't under... I mean, again, I'm not justifying murder, but... Was it because he didn't understand what he was doing? Yeah, and he got I think mad so. and didn't know his own strength kind of thing? I I think so. And I know at this point, it wasn't too far back. It wasn't the 1800s yeah. when this was happening. However, him being nonverbal and stuff, I'm sure he didn't know how to mm-hmm. communicate. And they, you know, they didn't probably... I, I don't know. I don't want to assume, but I'm going to assume. Like, make not make the effort, but you know what I mean. Just like... To know really how to do that. They didn't have the capacity to do it, probably. Yeah. I mean, especially if it was... Yeah, they didn't. And just society in general, I mean... Hell, even now, people don't understand people who have autism spectrum disorder and are nonverbal or, yeah, you know, anything. I mean, people, they just don't get it. I thought you said bitches don't get it. I mean, they don't either. <laughs> but, yeah, so, bless his heart... But one of his well-known, like, behaviors would be at bed check, he would run and chase the worker down the hall. What? hmm And so, they're like, damn, this is probably residual haunting. Mm-hmm. Because it's just, you know, looping over and over. They never just see the humanoid figure other than in room two. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it will run at you, chase you. Basically, mm. another place is the attic. I remember below it yeah. was the pervert. And they don't know what the attic was really used for, but just negative energy up there. There's paint, trim. So it was used for something. Like you mm-hmm. wouldn't go through all of that just to store shit up there. Right. The chimney had been knocked off because there was a chimney up there, but it had been knocked down because there was some sort of fire up there. Oh, God. And so it's been damaged, but they he's looking into that, trying to get his investigator to find out more about that and maybe if it took lives or, mm-hmm. or what. But he said that people are good only about 20, 30 minutes tops up in the attic before they get so sick that they vomit. Oh, God. They have heard get out and leave in a male voice. And then they've also been begged for alcohol and cigarettes. And Josh, the owner, said, thinking back on people who were addicts in Mm -hmm. there, like, it kind of makes sense. And there has been a time where they left some, some alcoholic drink, I can't remember, But they left it there in the attic, and a little bit later, it was, like, some was missing. Damn. Yeah. They've had EVP sessions up there and spirit boxes, 
and through those devices, they have heard growling and scratching on the walls. And he said there is like a partition behind one of the walls. And so he thought, shit, there's an animal up here. You know, that's got to be it. And he looked everywhere, didn't see any droppings, didn't see any scratches on the wall. So, you know, people hear growling, though, and I'm surprised he didn't say it, but they normally say demon. Yeah. But he didn't say it, but just very negative energy. All right. So, paranormal lockdown, not my dibic douche, but, well, so right when they go in, Katrina said that she felt like all of these people are watching me. Like, I'm not supposed to be here. You are out of place. Get the fuck out. You know? Mm-hmm. As they walk through the building, Nick feels a connection to Gracie. And he believes that her memories are still lingering in her room. And he could just sense the energy. And he could sense confusion. Which, gosh, I know. Katrina kept feeling the same that someone was watching her. And while they were attempting to make contact with Inez, like, it was just so heavy in there. And again, remember, they said that they thought something was keeping Inez in there. So that could have been it. Rob's camera battery just suddenly drained. Nick feels as though he's walked through some type of static electricity Previous investigators have said all types of physical reactions, like feeling faint, nauseous, dizzy, etc. Johnny Hauser joins them on Paranormal Lockdown. He He's a paranormal investigator, and he happens to live next door to Felisca. Really? Mm-hmm. So they have him in there because they had been with him on the Velisca episode and mm-hmm. all of that. So... And he had had an experience in this house before. So they wanted him to come back and see if he could recreate it. Because he was telling them that a shadow figure ran down and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know, we know. I said, you know, we know. (laughs) And when he was telling them the story, they could all hear footsteps and knocks coming down the hall. Day two starts. They analyzed the recorder that was out. And it had some loud burst. And obviously, they didn't hear anything in the night, so it was just picking up phantom sounds. But Nick hears, Nick, get up. And then violent screams. Oh, my God. Yeah. They try to find Inez, and they do some 3D mapping, fancy-schmancy, she-she-shit. Say that three times fast. She-she-shit, she-she-shit, she-she-shit. Okay, well, you did it. <laughs> Check that off the list. Tally for fucking Gary. <laughs> well, if it was, let's be honest, if it was like a W or what's the one I messed up earlier? H. H. Horror. Rob says he can hear a scraping on the walls and he reproduces the sound on the paneling. And so it's like, this is what I heard. This is, mm-hmm. it has to be coming through this, but how? Like, I'm physically doing it, but. No one else is in here. Right. Nick is like, oh, I'll just walk through another static field, like, with the energy. And so it's like his hair stands up. And oh, okay. No, I'm just kidding. Oh. It's not. I, but you know that, oh, you know those things that you could do and put your fingers on mm-hmm. them in the, oh, my God, I love that. Anyway, 
he so he's like super excited because he's like, oh my god, I'm making direct contact with someone. I mean, they had a connection. Eh. All right, end of the day happens. So another experiment they do, they leave the geo box just running. Mm-hmm. During the night, the geo box recorded the words referencing Johnny Hauser, and he it said Johnny's here and nice to meet you, and he's mm-hmm. the one who had had that experience previously. Mm-hmm. It also mentioned Inez in there that there was a witness. So Nick decides to bring Johnny back to confront the shadowy figure, but it doesn't make an appearance. It's like he gets a lot of goosebumps. So, you know, like temperature change. Mm-hmm. And then his microphone falls out of his shirt. So it's like, I mean, how though? Yeah. Because it's like a lapel mic. Mm-hmm. So they both are like... That's paranormal. So it was a good thing, but it was mostly like feelings and stuff that they got. A special tidbit, though. Josh heard his eight-year-old daughter, Isabella. She played Inez Gibson in the reenactments. The 12-year-old girl who, Mm -hmm. you know, died by suicide. And so he said that she was like super fucking happy because, hello, she gets to be on TV and do this cool stuff. But he was like, one of the freakiest things in the world is watching your daughter act like she is being hung in a closet. He said her mother stayed there and he was like, I gotta go. Like, this is, whoa, you know. Mm-hmm. And But everyone else is like, that's great. Good job. You know, and yeah. it's like, no, mm-mm, no. There was another team called, get this, DAM, D-A-M-M. And they had some experiences. They've had a flashlight on top of the table, just turn on and off on command. But they've had scratches on their skin and one even left scars. Mm. At one point, one of the team members of, damn, damn, they were all standing in a circle. And Marsha Wallace, she felt burns coming across her face and her chest. And then there is a point where they're in the room where they believe that the captain spirit is the one who built the house way back in mm-hmm. the day. And one gets scratches with the words C-A-P-T. So I'll have a picture on on our website, but like for capped, like mm-hmm. as in captain. All right. That was just like little special tidbits. But there's another person, Arlen, Arlen, she just wrote this on a blog And she said that she loved fucking Paranormal Lockdown. The first episode she ever watched was Melvern Manor. Mm -hmm. And so ever since, she wanted to go there. Well, they went up there for the Iowa State Fair. So she said they're eating and then they're about to leave. All of a sudden, she stops dead in her tracks because... She can actually see ghosts. She said that she's a sensitive, and so she sees them. But the reason why she stopped is because they had been eating right in front of Melvern Manor. So she said that she could just, like, when she saw it, she could just feel the energy. Mm -hmm. And so her grandmother was like, hey, take a picture with your brother because, hello, this is, you know, this is right up her alley, and her two idols have stood in the same spot. So they're standing there taking a picture and Josh came up and was, you know, talking to him. Mm-hmm. And so he was like, oh my God, cool. Well, do you want to come inside? I'll, I'll give you a free tour. 
she said like when they went in, she could just feel the ghost staring at her and she felt the captain spirit. And when she saw the picture, she was like, that's the spirit I'm seeing. And it was him. And so like, it was just cool to have that. And then she said that they passed by the kitchen area and she just saw residents walking They were looking at them, and her grandmother tried to take a picture, but the phone wouldn't work. Damn. They went up to the hallway, and her ankle was actually grabbed. That happened multiple times, and apparently it's common. They went to the first room that Nick and Katrina went to, and her stomach, she said, like, basically turned to stone. Like, she couldn't swallow. It was just, damn, like, a pit in her gut. They went to Inez's room, and she said she felt her grab her arm. She said that Inez was really pretty, waist-length, chocolate brown hair. She said that she held her hand, and it was almost like what a child would do to a mom, how mm-hmm. she held it. She said that the captain stroked her hair, and she was like, this is weird because cap- the captain doesn't really like women. Yeah. She Anyway, she just like had... So many fucking experiences. But she said she went to the attic and she said when she was about nine feet away from the attic, she could just feel the heaviness. And she was like, I don't want to go in there, Mm -hmm. but I do want to go in there. She said when like her head kind of went into the attic, popped up and was like, yoo-hoo, she started feeling, (laughs) (laughs) she started feeling super panicky anxiety, just sad, anger, fear, like all of these emotions. Mm-hmm. And she was like, a piece, got to do it. And she she said that she heard dragging. No, not a dragon. She heard dragging noises, which they did hear that in Paranormal Lockdown as well. She said what she felt with that dragging, that it was a man. And she said everything felt masculine, but she didn't exactly know, like, who he was, mm-hmm. but that he had been assaulted in the room, in the room that Inez was in, but he was bleeding and scared and panicked. And then the killer dragged him up to the attic and murdered him oh then and hid his body. And so she said that like the ghost she feels like is mad because no one called his, his murderer, but that's all, you know, speculation. This, yeah. But anyway, she said that she had, like, her chest being bumped into, her inner thigh was touched, her arm was pinched, just all kinds of stuff. And so, that is a lot of it. And I want to say, Josh, Josh Hurd, he is part of two different podcasts, The Ectoplasm Show and Conversations in the Dark. So, I got some of this from his, like, from him. That's cool. Also, this is... Like, postscript P-P-P-P-S. Like, nothing really to do. Mm -hmm. But, okay. So, I was on a forum where I found that girl's thing. And then it was, like, post your, post, you know, like, if you've went here, post below and let me know. I almost said post Malone. (laughs) And I love a fucking troll sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like, if if it's funny, you know, like. And it's not hurtful. Yeah. If it's hurtful, no. But sometimes I'm just like, fuck, people are one fucking weird and fucking funny. Mm-hmm. But okay, so someone, Juan, probably not his real name, September the 11th, 2017, at 2.01 a.m., his reply 
I saw Bigfoot masturbating on the front porch while he was eating a Chalupa Supreme from Taco Bell in the other hand. Damn. And so then Sarah, March 1st, 2018 at 7.03 p.m., her reply, pretty spooky. (laughs) (laughs) Damn. Oh, my God. And so, you know what? Sarah's on to something because I feel like that that whole manner is pretty Mm -hmm. fucking spooky. Damn. So, that is all about that. Well, that story was freaking crazy. Right? I Like, the fact that that one guy owned it for so long and was such a shitty human being and nobody did shit about it. Right. That, oh, God. It just, like, it's those underserved populations that have no, not, well, probably, anyway, underserved populations that have no voice mm-hmm. and no one... Is speaking for them. Yeah, you know? no one advocates for them. Yeah, and especially if they are someone who is maybe in sort of some sort of like group home or facility because they don't have family support. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, there are people in there who have amazing family support, and I'm surely not saying anything about putting someone in a care facility because if you can't do it at home, you can't do it at home. You know. Yeah. But the people who are in those facilities that have no one, mm-hmm. and so they. Anything can happen to them because there's no one coming to check on them because they have no family. It's just heartbreaking. Yeah, it really is. Golly. Well, let's hear your sad-ass story. I swear to God, I was like, well, now that we've done your sad shit, I'll do my (laughs) sad shit. So for mine, we're not going back in time as far as yours. Okay. But we are going to catch a plane. It's Mm -hmm. a long fucking plane ride, but we're going to the land that you love. Australia? Uh Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Okay, so we are doing the, we, I am doing the murder of John Price and his killer, Catherine Mary Knight. So, okay, quickly, Catherine, she, as everybody, I say this every time too, but anyway, super like unconventional childhood, very dysfunctional. So her mother was married to this guy and lived together in Aberdeen in New South Wales And they had four kids, well, four sons. Well, her mom started having an affair and got pregnant with Catherine, which I think she goes by Kathy. So I'm probably a flip-flop. You know me. I have terrible memory. Um, (laughs) Paula Gertrude. I mean, names. What do they really mean? (laughs) Well, when she got pregnant, it was like this huge scandal in the town. And so basically, her mom and her dad were like, run out of Aberdeen because they were in such a small, like, mm-hmm. rural community where it was, like, super conservative and they yeah. were, like... Scarlet Letter. Yes. And so they ran them out of Aberdeen and they moved to Maury. Well, they went on to have a shit ton of kids and... Uh, but Catherine, Kathy, whatever, actually had a twin sister. There's reports of abuse and that her dad was a shitty shit. So Kathy's great-great-grandmother was aboriginal and that was something that kathy was proud of but it was kind of like a hush hush thing because at the time there was a lot of racism in the area her dad was an abattoir or worked at an abattoir what or is one the people who like cut up the animals and stuff like butcher them and all of that like skin them and all of that before they what is it process called them. an abattoir abba a B B A Hang on, let me find it on my sheet. It's a slaughterhouse. Okay. 
Why they have to she she it up? <laughs> a batois <laughs> sounds so fucking fancy, and it's like kill kill. Yeah. <laughs> Slice and dice. <laughs> so when she was sixteen, because she like loved that her dad worked there was at the place. <laughs> he was either an abattoir, maybe the R silent. I, apparently, I've gone third down <laughs> stupid, and I can't remember how to pronounce it. Anyway, she like loved it though, like. Because she had this fascination with knives, and so she was like, whoosh, 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 whoosh. loved it, right? Oh, I bet she played uh, Fruit Ninja. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, she was born in, like, 1950, so oh. no. <laughs> <laughs> she might have made Fruit Ninja. She may have. So she, her twin sister, and one of her brothers all joined the family trade. Because it was, so where they lived was a, from what I understand, it may not still be now, but like a poorer area where it was like those kind of, that kind of laborer work mm-hmm. was common. So when she was 16, she dropped out of school so she could go start working at the slaughterhouse. She was a badass fucking bitch. Like, she, okay, she had really bad anger issues. And so she could like. <laughs> and she loved knives. Yes. So she would fucking flip the script real quick on you. If she was, if you offended her or you made her mad, anything. And she would like whip out her knife and be like, fuck you, motherfucker. That's a thing. (laughs) She fell in love with a guy named David. They got married as soon as she turned 18 and she moved in with him. So on the wedding day, it was a huge day, huge party. Everybody got shit faced. You know how how exhausting wedding days can be. Mm -hmm. You know what we've heard. Mm -hmm. We didn't actually have one. No. Nor I don't think I would. Me either. Anyway, so after they leave the the big party, the big shebang, they go to their hotel or wherever, and David falls asleep because he's exhausted. Mm-hmm. So when they when after he went to sleep, he woke up because she was strangling him. What the fuck? <laughs> she was so fucking pissed. She like I said, she just would get like when she got mad, it was like huge scale map you know yeah. it wasn't like a wake him up and be like what the fuck you douchebag it was yeah. like i'm gonna fucking strangle you <laughs> you want to sleep you can sleep when you're dead right and that's gonna be right now so later in their marriage he worked at the slaughterhouse as well and he was in charge of killing the pigs oh gosh and she loved it so much that she would just go like watch him sometimes at work Oh, my God. She's so weird. Yeah. (laughs) They had their first kid in 76, and she was, especially after she had her first child, Melissa Ann, she was very, like, again, possessive, super moody, would just fly off the handle. So he started having an affair and left her. So as part of her revenge for it, she took little two-month-old Melissa Ann in her stroller, took her down to the train train tracks and put that stroller on the train tracks to let her daughter die. What the fuck? So a guy who was like who was nearby the train tracks was like looking for I don't know cans or some shit. Heard the baby crying and was like, "Oh my god!" and like ran and like saved her before a train came. Holy fuck! And so later that like. Right after that, she had an axe that she had gotten from just, like, a backyard nearby. And she was, like, swinging it around her head and, like, threatening to kill all these random people. (laughs) And so the police took her into custody and they put her 
in a mental hospital because mm-hmm. they, you know, they attributed it to the postpartum. Her husband had just left her. She's got this brand new two month old infant, yeah. you know, and so they said it's postpartum. They put her in a hospital and then they let her go. Oh. So a couple of days after that, she took the baby and went to her neighbor's house and she's like, oh my God, my baby is sick. Can you please take us to the doctor? And so the lady gets her in her car, goes to take her to the hospital. Well, Catherine flips on her and is like, take me to David and slashes that lady's face with her knife. Wait. Yeah. So the lady like pulls over and jumps out of the car. And like, that's the only way she survived. She, they call the police. When the police get there, she has this little boy holding him by the shirt like, waving her knife, losing her shit. Why, why did she keep waving it? <laughs> She's like, wave your hands in the air, like, right? but just knives. <laughs> I don't know, that was a stupid joke. Okay, anyway. So, here's the kicker. Oh, God. The police get there, and they get the kid away from her. I, like, I just have to read this quote, okay? That they managed to, like, drag the kid away by attacking... Catherine with a couple of brooms that were handy <laughs> and grabbed her when she dropped the knife and let the lad go. Because <laughs> they were at a gas station, so I guess gas stations just have like a shit ton of brooms laying around. <laughs> so they were like, I don't know. It just created a visual that yes. I was like, okay. So after she, so okay, from there she was put in a psychiatric ward of a hospital again. David comes to, like, because he gets a call. He comes to be like, oh, my God, because his wife's in a, even though he left her, like, it's his wife. She's in a mm-hmm. psychiatric ward. And so she's released on August 9th, 1976. These days don't matter. But she was released to her mother-in-law. So she and her mother-in-law go pick up the baby from where she was staying because, you know, let's just give her back custody. Mm-hmm. And then not long after that, she and David were back together. Oh, gosh. That's going to be a theme. So, after they got back together, it was even worse than before. Because once you cross that line, there's no going back. So, she would just fly into these violent rages Mm -hmm. and, like, beat him with her fists, with kitchen appliances. Like, literally anything she could grab. Like, she was like, let me grab that right there and smack him over the head with it. What the fuck? So, even after all that got worse, they had another kid. Oh, my God. She's got the golden pussy. (laughs) Like, when you hear the story, you're going to be like, what does she do in bed? Right. Because I need to know. (laughs) I need you to give, look, draw me pictures (laughs) so that I can emulate. Well, you know, they say the crazier the people. The better the sex. Mm -hmm. Well, this was going to be the best sex of any man's life ever. (laughs) She fucking cry. So, one day in 84, David comes home, and just like that, she's gone. Up and vanished like a fart in the wind. <laughs> he comes home, and, like, everything's gone. He, she, her, she's gone. The kid, like, one of the articles, like, if it wasn't nailed down, she fucking took it. Like, curtains. Damn. I mean, literally everything. And he was like, girl, bye. Yeah. So, she moves back to her parents' house in Aberdeen. She goes to work there. She... Took her maiden name back. Blah, 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 blah. And he didn't know what caused this? No. Supposedly. Who knows? Yeah. So after she left 
her husband. She found a new lover, Dave Saunders. They moved. She loves Dave's. Mm, yeah. So she was working as an abattoir, and I'm really probably saying that wrong. Anyway, she had really bad back problems because she was, like, bending over the carcasses so much and all that that they say her back gave way. I don't know exactly what that means as far as, like, what actually happened to her. but Yeah, and, I mean, I'm sure slinging knives around like their mm-hmm. helicopters didn't do a great deal for her back. Right. So she ended up getting, like, a workers' comp payout because her back was to the point where she couldn't work anymore. Mm. So she got this huge workers' comp payout that – she used to pay off this house that she and Dave had bought. Mm -hmm. So they had a very tumultuous relationship. She beat him just like everybody else. She was taller than him, too. And so, like, she was just, like, domineering over him. Mm -hmm. It's said that, I don't know if he had an affair or she was really one of those that, like, always assumed they were having an affair and, like, it would cause these huge fights when they weren't actually having one. But... To show her what would happen, I'm sorry, to show him what would happen if he had an affair, she slit his two-month-old puppy's throat. Oh, fuck. That's not okay. Mm -hmm. Stop cutting things, Kathy. I know. She attempted suicide. And with all of that, they had a kid. So she gave birth to her third child. So... She, you know, she loves her knives. She loves watching animals die. She loves all that. So her new little house was that she, I mean, because it was the very first thing she's ever owned in her life. You know, it was hers. It was whatever. She had it decked out with like cow hides, just all the animal shit hanging up on the walls and stuff. So after the baby came, of course, it didn't last. Supposedly, she hit him over the head with an iron and stabbed him with a pair of scissors. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Apparently, one week after the fight, like, he came back to see the baby and all. And she had cut all of his clothes and, like, thrown them all away. Like, some stuff says she set it on fire, but I don't know. Oh, my God. So he's like, I am fucking done. So he takes. Yeah, I didn't marry Edward Scissorhands. Right. So he takes a leave of absence from work and tells all of his friends, like, look, this is where I'm going, but don't fucking tell her. And so she starts looking for him. He's gone for months. And she's like, looking for him, looking for him, looking for him. And he is nowhere to be found. His friends know, but they're like, I'm not fucking telling her because she's beating him with a fucking iron and trying to stab him. Yeah, and cut up all his clothes. I know. What's the guy to wear? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so after he's been gone for a little while, she comes he comes back because he wants to see his kid and he finds out that she had gone to police to basically get a restraining order on him what because the fuck? he said that or she said that he was violent. Well, it didn't take her long to find somebody else. She starts stuck in this guy named John Chillingsworth. Chillingworth, no S. And they had a kid together. Holy fuck. Mm-hmm. So, like, all these men, she's not really with anybody longer than three years because, I mean, she's real awesome at the beginning. And then once she's got him hooked, it she shifts, you know. Yeah. She eventually ended it with... John, because she found John Chillingworth, because she found this other John, John Price. And she was like, look, he's real cute. I'm 
hit me up, John Price, who she called Pricey. I thought that was actually kind of cute. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was whatever. No. So <laughs> everybody talked about how we're going to call him Pricey because that's what I think everybody called him. Maybe she wasn't the only one. That he was this amazing guy that took care of his family, was just was great. Like he had a job making really good money. He had three kids. And when, basically by all accounts, he just took really good care of them, even after they got divorced. Like, he would pay for their vacations. He would, like, if his wife was looking, or his ex-wife was like, I really want to get yada, yada, yada. He would just, like, randomly put $500 in her bank account just because. Because he was a, he just took care of his family. So everybody in the area knew all fucking Kathy and how bad shit she was. Mm-hmm. So... Because he wasn't from the area. So everybody was like, dude, run. Like, do not get with Kathy. Yeah. Don't do it. And he was like, you know, like, look, I'm going to give her a chance. Just, it's fine. She'll be, it'll be fine. What'd they call him? Pricey and knifey? Damn. Well, just like all the other relationships, it started out, she was great. She was... Like, took good care of him, blah, blah, blah. Did he live in her house? No. He refused to marry her. Like I said, he had the kids from the previous marriage. He owned his own house, and she did too, but he didn't want to marry her because he wanted to make sure that his kids got his house and all his money. I mean, maybe he, like, subconsciously believed all the people about how he shouldn't be with her. You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe he was like, uh, I'm not going to marry her and her take everything I have and my kids be left with shit. You know? Right. In the event of like a divorce or whatever. Okay. Okay. So she ended up moving in with him in 95. And like compared to the her little bitty house, I mean, his was huge. Did she sell her house? I don't know. So they both were drinkers, you know. And what happens when you have that with... Her <laughs> fights. And, like, they were always at each other's throats. Like, like at, out and about, you know, every time they were drinking, it was just, like, constant fighting. Mm. And <sighs> Kathy was very vindictive. Mm-hmm. So she would, what vindictive means, like, always get you back, <laughs> you know? Like, she's going, you cut her, she's going to cut, she's going to cut you real fucking deep. Yeah. You cut me too deep, man. You cut me too deep. Like, (laughs) it's going to be bad. So, Kathy had been diagnosed previously with borderline personality disorder, which is characterized by, like, intense mood swings, always thinking somebody's out to get you. So, Mm. and, and her perception isn't accurate either. So... If somebody just maybe didn't hear her say something, Mm -hmm. she may think that they're ignoring her and that they hate her and that they're assholes and they must be taken out. You know, like, it's just like, just the response doesn't match the slight, Mm -hmm. you know, because usually it's a perceived slight, if that makes sense. Yeah. How I said it. Not, I know that the words make, you know, what fucking ever. What fucking ever. (laughs) So, okay. So, if she was walking... And then she's like, what that bitch looking at? And she thinks she's, like, looking at her, mm-hmm. doing whatever. But she's actually, like, looking at birds above her head. Mm-hmm. But then she wants to cut her throat. Mm-hmm. Gets her knife boomerang out. Mm-hmm. And Waves it in the air like mm-hmm. she just don't care. <laughs> so she does this really shitty thing. I uh, mean, there's okay. lots. But, because remember how I said that she was so vindictive? 
Mm-hmm. She made a videotape of all the shit that was in Pricey's house, like in his garage, all the stuff. And she said that she was going to send it to his bosses because he refused to marry her and show all the stuff that he had stolen from work. What? Here's the kicker, though. They really hadn't been stolen. Like, everything that was quote-unquote stolen was going to the trash, except for one thing was... A first aid kit, but the first aid kit was expired when he stole it, so it was going to have been thrown away. But it hadn't been yet, so she used it, tried to use it as blackmail against him, and he's like, a fuck you. Yeah. So she takes it to his bosses. He had been working for that company for 17 years and lost his job. Oh, fuck. What a fuckity fucker face. Like... I mean, so he technically stole it. Yeah, because it wasn't, like, everything else had been put out in the trash. Okay. But that first aid, first kit. aid kit hadn't been. It was going to be because it was expired. So, but because it technically hadn't, mm-hmm. they had to fire him because he really did technically steal it. Mm-mm-mm. No. Mm-hmm. Yep. Wow. I would, why would you think he'd be like, you know what? I'm going to marry you. Well, he did. No. Oh, my God. So he kicked her out of his house and was like, get the fuck out. And so she moved back into her little house. Of course, and that story spread like wildfire that was like, oh, my God, can you believe what she did? Yeah. Well, well I guess she didn't get rid of her house then. Well, oh, true. There. So a couple of months later, they get back together. Oh, are you kidding me? But he wouldn't let her move in this time. And his friends were like, like, he lost a lot of friends over this because they were like, you're, are you fucking kidding me? Right. You know, like, of all this shit, are you kidding me? And. He said the sex is good, dude. I mean, yeah. Like, one thing he even said that basically he was like, yeah, it was. Well, Pricey's about to pay the ultimate price mm-hmm. for pussy. <laughs> <laughs> the Pied Piper. <laughs> Whatever the saying is. That could be it. That really could be a tongue twister. <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> okay. So now they're back together. They're both drinking a lot. And, you know, when, when shit like that goes down in a relationship, you never really forgive somebody. Of course You not. know, and you, so. He lost his job. Of 17 years. And, and it was a good paying job. And apparently the trash was good. One like, where else is he going to get his decor from? I mean, I, w- I think Case File, I think it was on Case File I was listening to, to about this. Episode 12, I believe, if y'all want to go listen to it. He, his job paid him like $100,000 a year. Holy fuck. Yeah. And this was back in 95. Damn. So, when they got drunk, his anger towards that came out. You know, because, fuck, she cost him his job. You know? Yeah. And so, they would get huge fights. Did he not learn his lesson the first time? I don't know. After they, you know, got back together, they're still fighting and all, but she's she's not moved in, but she's staying there. Mm-hmm. And one time, the arguments just get out of hand, and she stabs him in the chest with a knife. What the fuck? While they're in the kitchen, yeah. I don't know why they haven't decided to only use sports. <laughs> 
Like, this, Kathy does not need knives around. Look, Kathy loved her knives so much that they were mounted on the walls in her bedroom. Oh, mm-hmm. my God. hmm So, when she attacked him with a knife in the kitchen, he was like, okay, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. And this was Tuesday, February, I almost said February, March 9th. <laughs> no, February 29th of 2000. So, he goes to the courts to get a protection order against her so that she he could get her out of his house. Yeah. And so he gets his order, goes to work, and he's like, man, if I don't show up for work tomorrow, she'd probably kill me. Oh, fuck. And so his coworkers are like, well, don't fucking go home. And he's like, yeah. well, I have to because I have to make sure that she doesn't hurt my kids. And they're like. Wait, are his kids living with him? No, now? which is stupid. I mean, okay. it's not stupid that he's li- not living there, but I just don't understand the correlation. But that was what he said. So he goes home. He goes to like first he goes to a pub, gets a couple drinks, then goes home. And at eleven o'clock, he goes to bed and wakes up to Kathy being there. Like she bought her a new little black nighty. Oh, fuck. shows up and, and it's like bounce chicka wow wow. <laughs> so they have sex, <laughs> of course. Well, the next morning, which is March first, the neighbors like. Damn, his work truck's still in the driveway. He's always gone for work by now. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, sure. okay, whatever. Well, then he doesn't show up for work. And that, of all the shit, he was a hard worker. You know, he yeah. always went to work. He, you know, loved his job, all the things. And so they tried to, like, kept calling him. He wasn't waking up. So they go by there, and the, you know, they're trying to see what's going on. The neighbor's like, oh, my God, no, I noticed his truck wasn't there. So they called the police at 8 a.m., his truck wasn't there. I'm sorry. His truck is still here. Sorry. So when they get there, the, the police are, like, kind of canvassing outside, like, seeing what's, what's going on. And one of the officers noticed that there's some, like, like cooked meat on the yard. Oh. And they're like, what the fuck? Okay. So, like, they're going around looking in. Oh, my God. And then they, you know, break into the house. And when they walk into the house, there was, like, they go in a little bit. And there was, like, this, like, curtain hanging that they... One of the detectives, like, pushes to the side so they can get in. Mm-hmm. And then he notices, like, shit, my arm's bleeding. Like, it must have happened whenever I, like, broke into the house. You know, put mm-hmm. like, broke the window or the door or whatever. And so he goes to look, and he's like, shit, I'm not bleeding. And he looks, and that curtain is Pricey's skin. Oh, uh, what? Like, the pelt of his skin. I, w- I wasn't ready for that. Yeah, so the curtain hanging was his, like, skin pelt. Oh, God. Like, picture a bearskin rug, oh. but it's human skin. Oh, God. I don't give Ed Gein any decorating tips. <laughs> so, then the next place that they walk through is the kitchen. And so the pelt... I'm sorry. You know that cop had to be like, the fuck, the fuck? Oh, shit. Oh, yeah. Like, the stuff that I watched on this and, like, you know, like, there were some, like, YouTube videos and stuff. Mm-hmm. Was, there was a bunch of different shows about it. And it had the the detectives who, like, that happened to. Mm-hmm. And some of it, they would still cry talking about it. Like, they Gosh. basically were like, I'm not okay still. Yeah, I was going to say, they have to go through therapy. Almost 20 years later, and they're like, I am still not okay. No, I... You saw me when you said it. I y'all, if y'all even could have seen Donna's face, if y'all, I mean, if you could have seen it, she <laughs> was not ready. No, I wasn't. So, the 
pelt didn't have the head on it. So they walk into the kitchen and they see a big old boiling pot on the stove. Oh, and they're like, fuck. Give you one guess where the head was. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's what like one of the officers told the other one. I'll give you oh, one guess fuck. where the head is. Okay. The pot was full of like some sort of liquid. I'm guessing water. I don't fucking know. Ooh. And inside was a skinned human head. Skinned? Why did she have to skin everything? And also cooked vegetables. So here's the kicker. The table was, like, set. And it had, like, I think the plates were actually, like, scooped out. And in front of all the plates, she had written name cards of the kids. <gasps> to, like, that's where they should sit and eat their dab. Ooh, God. Mm-mm. hmm According to the coroner, she removed the skin pelt in a way that it was before he had been decapitated. And she did it in a way to leave the genitals intact. Like, it was purposeful in how she did it. Mm -hmm. And it said that it probably took her about 40 minutes to do it. Oh, God. Well, they get back into the bedroom, and they find her, like, knocked out on what is some people call a suicide attempt with sleeping pills, and then others say that she did it as a way to be able to plead insanity because she had been, she had even told her friends that she was going to kill him and get off because they would say she was crazy. Like that, like that was what she said. Oh my God. Like, what if you found this person and it's like, you did this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they did like, obviously like serious, intense, like interviews and you know, the, Oh, what's the word I'm thinking of? Oh, not interviews. Interrogation. And she says that she can't remember anything. All she remembers is going over there to have sex with him and that she can't remember anything else. But the police found that she had gone to get $1,000 from his bank account, like, around that time. So, like, it was it was premeditated. Like, she went, got his money. She got her little nighty. How did she get his money? I guess she stole his card from him after okay. she... Killed him. Okay. Well, she ended up pleading guilty because there were, like, so many psychiatrists that evaluated her. And so, she, after she pled, the judge was, like, at first was, like, I'm... I'm I'm nervous to just sentence her because then she's going to come back and try to appeal and say, well, I said I was guilty because... I wasn't fit to stand trial, you know, so Mm -hmm. saying that, like, she should have, whatever. But eventually they took her guilty plea, and she became the first woman sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Whoa. In Australia. Yep. Yeah, in a world where knives exist, she does not need to be in there. I I know. I I mean, like, she was, I mean, she had been obsessed since she was a child with it. It's... I have to read this, though. Okay. So, she, in prison, works as the cleaner in the governor's office. And it says, I got to read the sentence. Although she's a good cook, it's highly unlikely she will ever get a job in the kitchen. (laughs) (laughs) So, that's my gory, very gory. I left out a shit ton. Gory. Gory. Well, it was enough gore. I know. Ooh, and I left out a shit ton. 
Mm-mm. Ain't nobody got time for that. Mm-mm. And I left out a lot. Like, there's like one of the ex husbands that like talked that's on a lot of the stuff that talks about like he lives basically not in a witness protection program, but like he won't tell where he lives. He won't like all these things because he's scared of her. But I'm like, she in jail. Yeah, she did not and like that have that kind of mastermind. Yeah. Just give her a knife and she'll fucking MacGyver your ass. Right. And but she doesn't she's it's not like she's like from like a mobster family where she's got yeah, connections. Like exactly. She just is I don't know. Yeah. Like there was so much back and forth with her, with her partners that I mean, it's exactly what you think of when you think of an abusive mm-hmm. relationship. But it's just very interesting because it's the gender mm-hmm. of what you typically think happens in a relationship is reversed in this situation. Yeah. And so I think she got away with a lot because mm-hmm. she's a woman and because, I mean, think about this happened in 2000. So you're talking from the 80s to the 2000s. Men didn't file domestic abuse yeah. charges. And, and even now people probably would still be judgmental and that sort of thing because – People have their ideas of traditional gender roles, and this did not fit that mold. I know. It's a pretty crazy story, huh? It really is. I really thought I had done this story, and then your reaction of what an abattoir was told me I hadn't. (laughs) No. Okay, so what did we learn? Well, I'll learn what an avatar was. That's definitely not the word. Abattoir. You said avatar. That's the little blue guys. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) So, not really, did you learn? (laughs) Meanwhile, I've probably been saying it wrong the whole episode. Okay. Even though I listened to like eight things about this and Mm -hmm. they all said it. Whatever. I suck Um. at words. (laughs) Hmm. Yes. Look, just give me some closed caption, and I'll be good. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. Um, For real, what did we learn? We learned that... I'll tell you what I didn't learn that I want to know is the ghosts from your story, one mm-hmm. of them, that had schizophrenia and disassociative identity disorder. Yeah. I want to know if that person's ghost has like the you know what i mean yeah. like the, well they say it's true the ghost has the disassociative identity mm-hmm. disorder that's like interesting mhm well we can go to the melvern manor okay and you can ask grace yourself i don't know if i want to do that <laughs> but what if it's not grace i'm talking to how would i know well if it's a gruff voice you're talking to the devil man well but how other how many other personalities did she have I don't know. I could think I'm talking to Peter, and really it's Grace. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like, how would you figure that out as an investigator? Like, is it really multiple ghosts, or is it just Grace? Ooh. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Food for thought. Poor choice of words. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> <laughs> to know what this girl looked like was she a beauty queen well one thing i listened to was like she was like relatively attractive she was thin but and i was like you ain't gonna be thin to be attractive i don't know what that voice was <laughs> i thought 
thought you were about to swing a knife around. <laughs> my head, my head lifted off and turned in circles. <laughs> All right. Well, we literally have done nothing that we learned. We just came out with a lot of questions. <laughs> Apparently, we didn't learn anything. We need to go back, re-listen to this episode, <laughs> and then you know, or you know what? Just tell us what y'all learned. Yeah. I will say, though, you know what the common thread in this was? What? Like, your story and mine. That's what I mean. Mm-hmm. That. Do you know what the common no, thread is? No, I forgot it. <laughs> I was going to say something about, well, because. Uh, Mental illness? Yeah. Like, okay. Just don't fucking pigeonhole people. Yeah. That's the thing. Because I think, again, which I've already said, she got away with so much shit because she was a woman and she was abusing men. Mm-hmm. And so, pigeonholing people into what you think like what box they fit in you so that you can check them off where you think they belong. Mm-hmm. And that goes for this story with this bullshit traditional gender roles mm-hmm. where you know the deets. And for your story too of okay, so this person has schizophrenia or this person has DID or this person has an intellectual disability, let's put them in the group home and and never check on them. Yeah. And just trust that someone's going to to do what they're supposed to do. I don't know. So that's the thread. Even though I didn't actually say a thread, that's a thread. Because <laughs> it's not like untreated. Yeah. But it's, well, I guess I did. It's quip pigeonholing people. <laughs> that's all. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. Okay. Well, until next week. Remember. Creep it real. And, and don't, don't get, get scared. scared.